Upon a Time, Season 6, Episode 11 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap. And I am joined by someone who may be real, or he I may have just wished him about and brought him back here through an enchanted wardrobe. It's Kurt Clark. Kurt, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. I've been laying off the rum and the dessert in anticipation of this very moment, Mike. And I know you just got a haircut, so I'm assuming all that gray, scraggly nonsense is gone now. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, my, my gut is somewhere between current day hook and future hook. Uh, so, so trying to work on that, but we'll, we'll see where that, we'll see where I get. I feel like that's a good area to aim between because Colin O'Donoghue is a, a man chiseled from marble. So, really, that's an might be an unattainable goal for even the best of us. So, I think that's a nice middle range. Uh, we are back giving our first. Once Upon a Time podcast of 2017, and unfortunately, our last Once Upon a Time podcast of 2017. Uh, let me explain a little bit here. So for those of you that may be following some other stuff on Post Show Recaps, the SNL podcast mostly, uh, you might know that those behind the scenes of Post Show Recaps were doing a little bit of thinking over this winter break about the types of content they're producing and you know are thinking about streamlining things a bit in terms of coverage and really focusing on a, a few key products instead of sort of distributing things across a, a wide net. And unfortunately, uh, Once Upon a Time is sort of going along with that streamlining process uh, will be discontinued. So unfortunately, this is going to be the last Once Upon a Time podcast that Kurt and I will be recording. We wanted to make sure that you know this decision was made in the time in between Season 6A and Season 6B. We wanted to come back and actually say something and, you know, give a proper send-off to our thoughts about the series rather than sort of leave you listeners in the dark, uh, perennially waiting for coverage to pop up. So here we are. We're going to recap the mid-season premiere, and we'll probably talk a little bit as well about, you know, our thoughts about the series thus far and what we want to see moving forward, because there are quite a few interesting news items for the end of Season 6. It's interesting, Mike, that you refer to this as uh, Season 6A and Season 6B, because as much as we thought that it was supposed to be one long season, it is kind of feeling like it's cut in half. <laughs> yeah, though interestingly <laughs> enough, I, I don't know, now that we know that we are out of this wishy brook, the wish realm, in this episode, I do kind of wonder, because this was episode 11, and usually they cut it at 11 and 11, Part of me does kind of wonder what would have happened had they just done this and episode 10, even if they showed it on the same night as like a two hour movie like they did with season three uh, and just had it be like, you know, the two hour wishy brook mid-season finale and then they have this big written the getting reveal isn't as big but instead you have gideon instead swearing vengeance on the town and then you come back three months later and sort of pick things up. I had forgotten about the fact that it was one streamlined storyline, and apologies in advance, guys. It's been three months. There are some things that we're both probably going to forget about not only the Once Upon a Time mythos, but the the previous ten episodes of this season. But yeah, this was an interesting place to come back, because I felt like all loose ends, all real cliffhangers were really tied up by the end of this episode. Right, that's what I'm saying. I, I still think of it as 6A and 6B, despite what the PR hacks over at Once Upon a Time are trying to sell us. I think this is, they, they wrapped up 
pretty much the uh, 6A is about uh, the evil queen, and that was done with at the end of the last uh, the last uh, episode uh, last year. And it was kind of about uh, Emma's vision coming to fruition, and that was all wrapped up as well. So I, I look at like we have like a, a fresh new start, a whole new world, if you will, uh, for 6B. Uh, we just have now a, a name to a villain uh, and a name to a new character who was permanently dead before. <laughs> we will talk about that. Uh, I, it wouldn't be a Once Upon a Time podcast, even on our way out, if I did not have one major thing to gripe about. But outside of that, I actually think this is a, a nice representation, a, a nice allegory, I guess, for a usual Once Upon a Time episode. I mean, it had some time in the Enchanted Forest. There was a little bit of flashback. There was some romance. There was some confusing magic, strained family <laughs> relationships. I feel like if you had to boil Once Upon a Time down to its core themes, a lot of them are represented in this episode. That's true. Although if you, like, say, strained family relationships, I think with Once Upon a Time you can say strained relationship, and yeah. odds <laughs> are that the two people are somehow related. <laughs> Yes, exactly. If you stand in a room of Once Upon a Time characters and grab two of their arms and have them high-five, chances are that they're probably related to each other in some sort of way, shape, or form. Uh, speaking of relationships and not necessarily family-based relationships, let's talk about two characters that know each other, though one of them doesn't necessarily know that they know each other. In our true flashback of the episode here, Minneapolis in 1990... We have the origin story of Emma's last name. Yeah, I thought this was kind of cute, although given how much this uh, ugly duckling idea was a theme, however forced, uh, throughout in terms of, you know, it, it was an interesting concept. Like, you know, the story that supposedly that I know of the ugly duckling mirrored very closely what uh, Emma knew was that the, the duckling was indeed a swan the whole time. Uh, whereas we hear from this mysterious stranger underneath the bridge, uh, who does not appear to be a troll. Um, I just, yeah, I just realized I just described there's, there could be three Billy goats walking across the bridge as we speak. Um, I, I am surprised how many children seem to exist under that bridge. There just seems to be some sort of hideout. Maybe there, that's the lost boys gathering, but instead of Neverland, it's Minneapolis exactly. land. Yeah, but we, we, we learned that like his, his take on the ugly duckling, duckling is that the duckling was indeed, uh, duckling, but just believed in in himself or herself enough that uh, he or she was able to transform into a swan. So it's more of a uh, the power of belief as it relates to transformation, uh, as opposed to uh, you know finding that you've had the beauty inside you the whole time or something like that. So it was it, it was interesting. And I understand that that's definitely a key theme as well about changing your fate. It's It's been very echoing throughout this sixth season where Emma has this vision at the beginning that she's going to die. And the big question is, is she able to change her fate? That was the whole thing with the shears that ended up getting misplaced and juggling hands for a certain portion of time. But yeah, it's a, it's a definite, uh, definite, definite different interpretation of the story. It's staying, you know, in, instead of the moral being that, you know, that those that can be made fun of will may grow up to become beautiful people even more beautiful than those who tormented them instead it's you know you better put in the work to make yourself beautiful <laughs> yeah well, interesting though it's like we are instead of seeing the uh 
the classic Once Upon a Time storybook, we get the Golden Age Compendium of Children's Fairy Tales. And I, I did freeze frame it on the kind of the back book jacket to see what it was saying. And it does mention the Ugly Duckling specifically, but it also mentions such fairy tales as The Emperor's New Clothes, The Princess and the Pea, which makes me wonder, looking ahead to the rest of the season, is if we're going to have more things like that. Maybe not necessarily characters from those stories, but maybe the lessons from those stories turned on their head as a running theme through upcoming episodes. Kurt, did you have any initial guesses when you saw this young man that actually looked a little bit like Brecken Meyer, the actor, at least from my perspective? Did you have any thoughts about who this mysterious man might be? I actually thought the way he was talking and how he was talking about stories that this might be a a young Augustus, uh, not Augustus Gloop, but Augustus Pinocchio. Um, and but part of me was like, no, because he doesn't look a lot like him. Because it's like he seems like this this character under the bridge seemed like it would be old enough that you might get somebody that looks a little bit more like him. But it it, it did enter my mind, but for some reason I dismissed it. So I wasn't at all surprised when it turned out to be the truth. Well, it's, I think this is also the first time we're going to see August. And I guess we should more so refer to him as Pinocchio in the Rish, yeah. Wish Realm, because that's really what he is. But this, I think this is the first time we've seen him since like a brief appearance in Season 5. I feel like the last major thing he really did in the show was the whole apprentice sorcerer thing when you know the Queens of Darkness turned him back into a man to try to torture him to find out information about where the author is. And then he went pretty under the radar until then. So I think it makes sense that we didn't initially make the big assumption that it's going to be him. I had the exact same thoughts that you did. I was like, okay, this could be August. You know, he even though he abandoned Emma at the age of three, he still wanted, maybe was watching over her the entire time. But I wasn't entirely sure until we go into the Wish Realm. Going back to the choice of her last name, I will say... They're rewriting canon a little bit. At least it's murky because from what I heard, Jennifer Morrison, I think this was on Twitter or something, she said that in her, whether it's her head canon or the show's canon before this episode, Emma's last name actually came from her very first foster family, which if you remember in the pilot, she talks about how, you know, the first foster family she had, they had another child and essentially kicked her out of the house, but she decided to go with the last name Swan. So, a little bit of a rewrite here, but I guess the significance of this name is probably more pertinent than the one of the abandoned family. Right. I, I thought it was a, it, I thought it was a nice story uh, in terms of kind of you know when we see her. I, I thought it was maybe a social worker, but we do see it's at the police department, and then uh, she kind of comes up with the name uh, Swan. So I, th- I thought it was a sweet story, at least the way it played out. So let's flash to adult Emma here as we pick things off. At the end of episode 10, the portal has closed up because Regina has been a little awestruck by the reappearance of Robin Hood. She's still a little confused specifically about how he was not aging the entire time. We will get to why that may be later on. Uh, We finish off this mugging as the jeweler gets handed over and Robin runs away just in time for Henry to invade the scene. And from the overhearing that goes on, it seems that Regina is, if she was was public enemy number one before, she's now public enemy number zero. She's being accused of kidnapping Emma. Yeah, I kind of forgot the, the the situation until we were reminded of it that, uh, you know, although they are on the run together, uh, they don't necessarily – Henry doesn't necessarily know that uh, Emma is a willing participant in this and that Emma is actually, uh, you know, 
reality Emma versus wish realm Emma in terms of her, her mindset. Although she, we do learn she has memories kind of from, from both lives and the fact that, Oh yeah, Regina kind of killed Henry's grandparents. Um, and you know, not, not thinking it was real, trying to get him to, you know, uh, act out so that Emma would, you know, break out and realize her role as savior. Um, so it, it was a nice recap. I, the thing that left me confused, because usually I'm good at figuring out what they're, what they're telegraphing here, but when we see Emma staring at this burnt log off to the side saying, I think I know how I can get us home, I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> no, I did not either. Uh, again, maybe it's because we did not assume that Pinocchio would show up here or Geppetto, but to just have her stare at a, a hollowed out tree trunk and say, all right, brain blast, this is how we're going to get our way back to Storybrooke. It was definitely a little bit of a, a long jump, but we'll make that jump with her later. Let's jump ourselves back to Storybrooke. David is on the warpath here, and... I sort of want to tie in this scene with the one we have later of David talking to Mary Margaret. I know that in the time in between episodes 10 and 11, the creators of Once Upon a Time sort of hinted at the fact that, like, David's story is going to get a little more ruthless, a little more angry, a little more aggressive than what we're used to. Did you see hints of that here, Kurt? Um, a little bit. A, a little bit. Uh... He he definitely seems on the warpath, like you said, in terms of I uh, have to make sure that Gideon is you know is stopped before uh, or that we know that the hooded figure is here. I have to make sure that Emma is safe and I'm not going to do it. I want everything taken care of before Mary Margaret wakes up. It's like I need the house clean before Mary Margaret gets home, and that's kind of the mentality that he has. And so like I'm refusing to kiss her uh, and and wake her up until the until that happens. So he he seems. Uh, just really kind of in the, in the last three months that he's gained a lot of anger over not being able to have his wife by his side. And probably uncompounded on top of that is what they allude to in the next time on, which is this sort of lingering mystery of what really happened to David's father. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he, I think, feel like he has a lot of things bottled up right now. He hasn't had a very good couple of months. So I think his mood is definitely definitive of that. Yeah, yeah. He, I think we're going to, uh, although I would not be surprised if, what looks like next week's uh, angry buddy cop uh, episode with 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 David slash charming and and Hook. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that quote unquote uh, you know charming's more at the forefront if it's that episode. <laughs> like I, I could see it vanishing to the background again after an episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there I didn't even notice until the end of this episode. Uh, no Zelina at all this episode, oh, yeah. which I was a little surprised by. Yeah, yeah. Although the the one time I did see her was there was a promo uh, here on the uh, ABC affiliate in Chicago for there's a Once Upon a Time convention uh, coming to Chicago in mid June, and I believe that all of the uh, the the lead female characters, including Zelina, are going to be there. If I remember the, the promo correctly. Good. So not apparent in this episode, but will be apparent in mid June yes. in Chicago. <laughs> That's when you if you don't see her this in six B, uh, you will see her in Chicago. If that's any consolation to yes. you listeners out there. Let's talk about the person that David is so actively pursuing right now. The hooded figure, a.k.a. Gideon. Uh, we pick right up where this storyline left off, where he sort of reveals his adult self to his parents. And this is where Gideon's going to tell his background story. Kurt, what did you think about Gideon's exposition here? Gideon's exposition. Well, first of all, I was proud of myself that I remembered his name. 
Uh, for for somebody who has again the who listens to our if you listen to our Top Chef podcast, you understand that my memory completely like goes slate clean after any given season of Top Chef, and it kind of happens the same with uh, with with Once Upon a Time. Uh, so I was happy that I, I picked up on the name Gideon. And the only thing that cemented it for me is I remember looking up Gideon, seeing if it was any other characters in the Disney uh, uh, you know genre or universe, and it was just Gideon the cat from Pinocchio. Oh um, yeah, remember that? Uh, you know what it. It seemed like it was a repeat of what we learned in December, largely in terms of, well, he's 28 because time works differently in the Black Fairies realm. I think we, we do get the added like little kind of bursts of flashback that he wasn't really treated uh, that well there. I think the thing that surprised me was, um, oh, no, no, no. She actually didn't succeed in turning me evil. I'm like, oh. Really? Because <laughs> uh, you're, you're here to kill the savior. So, um, and much like Highlander, apparently there can be only one. And if you kill her, you will gain her power. Uh, not sure how canon that's going to be necessarily. Uh, but yeah, he. I thought the, the interesting thing for me was his motivation. That he isn't evil, but he is here to kill the savior so he can get her power and free another realm from the dark reign of the Black Fairy. Yeah, I don't know how much legitimacy there is to that whole claim of there can only be one, because <laughs> just a little bit of time ago, we had two saviors existing at once in Aladdin and Emma. So I feel like maybe Gideon just isn't on the up and up, considering he's been imprisoned by the Black Fairy for a while. I do hope, uh, whether it's the rest of this season or maybe in season seven, that we show at least some portion of time outside of these random brief flashbacks into the lair of the Black Fairy, into this sort of dark realm, because we haven't ever seen it before, right? Right, no, no, no. I can, I can almost guarantee that we will get some Black Fairy Realm action uh, in this in this season in in in, in six B. I, I think we need to, especially if you know this seems to be a tumultuous relationship. And getting talks about how the Black Fairy seems to be the ruler of some sort of land, he neglects to go into what it is. But I can only imagine what sort of universe that she's lording over that he would be after. But <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one of those cases, and it's a moral quandary that comes up all the time on Once Upon a Time of you know. Are do good intentions justify bad actions? Is it okay if I kill someone in cold blood if it means I can use this power to defeat a more evil person? It depends if you're a cast regular or not, first of all. Yeah. I think that's the first exactly. question that you need to ask. Um, you know what? I, this might be too tidy, but what if the Black Fairy's realm is Agrabah? That'd be interesting if she sort of, what, just took over from Jafar or she, like, in the next rung up from Jafar on the uh, the pecking order? Yeah, something like that. Because we know that Agrabah is in danger. Here's a realm in danger. Uh, you know, maybe they're the same. Maybe they're looking for, like, cost efficiencies in storytelling. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't be – and it's getting a little bit ahead into kind of what we might suspect for season six. But I just thought of this three minutes ago. And I want to make sure I remember it is – you know, I, I potentially see them say, well, Gideon isn't somebody that we can reason with. Uh, they might try a couple of times during the season, but they say, well, maybe the only way we can get him off our case is if we actually go there ourselves and deal with the Black Fairy. Uh, so, if, I mean, if that's his ultimate motivation is to have the Black Fairy dealt with and he thinks he's the only one that can do it. If well, if Emma and team go there and deal with the Black Fairy, then maybe that will be what gets Gideon off their back. Yeah, I have a feeling that as much as Gideon has kind of been presented as this big bad right now, it actually might go the route of Season 2, which more so existed in trimesters rather than semesters, <laughs> where I feel like Gideon will eventually go down in one way or another, and the Black Fairy will be the one that they're going to have to face off against uh, at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, that, that could be it as well. 
Um, although I think the the interesting thing going along with that will be though, like if Gideon is dealt with in some sort of finality, uh, that that is going to uh, create some interesting dynamics between Gold and Vel and the rest of the town. Yeah, very true, because uh, their son is dead. Though, in this world, if you're dead, you can just come back, because your soul was just <laughs> floating around the entire time, and nobody really knew about it. Uh, but we'll get to that. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. Let's not bury the lead here. We need to talk about the surprise, at least to us, surprise appearance of August back in the Wish Realm when Emma goes to see him, and now we finally understand why she was inspired by that tree trunk. Uh, so her plan at the moment is to try to excavate the wardrobe that they, the two of them had gone through at this point in another universe, but back in the day in the Enchanted Forest. August or Pinocchio reveals that due to his grief over his father's death and RIP Wish Realm Geppetto, we don't exactly know what he died of, probably a splinter and caused infection, uh, but he had dismantled it out of grief, but he can build another one. Uh, Regina shows up for a hot second and then she takes off, leaving a very hastily written note behind <laughs> about how she has other things to take care of. I'm just going to assume the note was generated magically. Oh, yeah, I mean, let, let, we can start really painting this series with a broad brush here as we're closing things out. Anything that can't be explained by conventional means, just assume a wizard did it. Just assume yeah. it was magic. Yeah, because that was long note, very nice handwriting. Uh, and that just it was like suddenly like one moment she's there, one moment this note is there. So maybe she had it on her. Uh, but yeah, she just, uh, you know what? It's not the sort of thing you need to leave a note for. You know, say, excuse me, like listen to their plan. Understand what they're going to do because, you know, you know that Emma's looking for an escape route. You know that Emma's talking to Pinocchio about some way to get out of here. So that's something that you as Regina want to take advantage of. So let's hear their entire plan out, figure what they're going to do, and then say, okay, while you guys do that, I'm just going to tell you face-to-face. I'm not going to leave you a note. I'm going to go do this and seek – because Robin Hood, because I have to find out, like, how happy his life was has been without me. Um it seems like it was maybe for somebody who needs to escape this realm that not finding out what the full plan is was a little bit hasty. Well, give me your thoughts about Regina's mission throughout most of this episode for her own personal satisfaction to figure out what wish, what wish realm Robin Hood is up to and whether or not he's happier essentially in a life without her in it. Um, Okay, I, I guess I would say that it is in line with her character. I, mm-hmm. I I won't argue that. In terms of, like, if I was friends with Regina in this realm and we were trying to escape, I would have been very upset. <laughs> I guess maybe that's what it boils down to is I understand her reasoning, but I – and she's – you know what? She's damn lucky that she took off without consulting me because I would have done my best to, ta- to, to talk her out of it because I think it's ridiculous. But it's in line with her character, and I can see why she wants to do it. But I'd still say it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's comparable. Uh, in, a, in another reality, it would be comparable to, like, if you lost your spouse and you had the ability to see them, whether it's in the afterlife or in another world, would you be able to? I'm sure the vast majority of people would say yes. This, that's sort of mitigated a bit here, considering that, you know, these characters were in the underworld last season. And, you know, we saw Regina get to have closure with both her mother and her father. So it's something she's already faced before. I mean, 
this is going to be a spoiler alert for, the, for my thoughts for the rest of the podcast. I was not a big fan of Robin Hood this entire episode, and I'm going to assume I'm not going to be a huge fan of him for the rest of his time on this season and the show, uh, just because I understand it. You know, I I understand that there is a fandom out there that was positively heartbroken when Robin died. But if you were, I mean, if you remember what I talked about last season when he did, I, I was sort of like, well, the character sort of just never fit in with the ensemble. It makes sense if we're sort of paring things down. This actually gives things stakes. We sort of undid that. And again, we will dig into that a little bit more once they actually go through the wardrobe. But I don't know if I would necessarily was so riveted by this idea of, oh, Robin's a thief now. He doesn't give to the poor. He's just greedy now. And he doesn't even have a <laughs> wife or, or child. Oh, so it's just like uh, old Robin, but edgier and less attached to things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Bachelor Robin. <laughs> exactly. Oh, boy. We're going to see that next season on ABC, aren't we? Um, yes. Sean, Sean McGuire would make a good Bachelor, I feel. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It was... It was I mean, given how easily Regina was able to kill Snow and Charming because she knew they weren't real and were merely figments of this world... She's very attached to this other thing, this other person who is a figment of the world. Sure, you've got the whole, I understand, you've got the whole, well, for some reason, he hasn't aged while everybody else has aged. Um, I get that. And that's like the one thing that sets it apart. So maybe there's something special there. But um, yeah, it's, uh, as again, if I had been Emma, I would have been more pissed off than she was. (laughs) And especially because Regina and Robin are going to end up being captured by the sheriff of Nottingham here. Uh, Not not a good look for someone who you were trying to urge to get out of this world with you. Yeah, exactly. And at least, you know, the sheriff, uh, it was fun seeing him back again. (laughs) Yeah, I I love the Robin Hood narrative. So I always love seeing the sheriff of Nottingham. And I think he's such adult in this universe of Once Upon a Time that it's always fun to see him. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. He, he wasn't around for long, and I, I like to think that he wasn't uh, vanquished by by gold later in the in the episode. But uh, it, it, it's. It, I do like when once upon a time. It's not looking good, Kurt. That, it's, that it's, man it's, flew very, very far back. <laughs> but maybe there's some soft shrubberies back there. Um, uh, but it, it is nice how when once upon a time kind of introduces, even if it's just briefly for like one episode, uh, a character that we, we hadn't seen in a while and, and who, who wasn't necessarily still around with us. Um, so I, I, did, I did at least like the little nod of the, uh, the sheriff coming in. Well, speaking of Wish Realm's takes on main characters, let's go to this enchanted tree here, of, of which the wardrobe was initially carved and they decided to go back there to get some more. Uh, August uh, Pinocchio brings up this idea of this magical chisel. It's the only thing that can penetrate the bark in order to make the tree. Uh, and we have a little bit of talk before the chiseling occurs of, you know, all this talk about tools reminds Emma of her own tool, the sword that she picked up that she knows is eventually going to kill her. And they both sort of talk about, you know, the upsides and downsides of work. They gab about employment for a little <laughs> while. They're at the water cooler in a way. Yeah, they're they're updating their LinkedIn profiles. Um, yeah, didn't didn't know that you couldn't use ordinary tools on enchanted wood. We're on our way out. Look, we we th- this we have to make adult references here. It's it's been a running thing throughout. Congratulations on going full bloom on this podcast, Kurt. I'm very very proud of how far you've come the past few years. 
Oh, thank you, thank you. It's it's like you hear Enchanted Wood. You know, there's, it's you just one step away from a joke there. Uh, but something that probably would not want to give anyone Enchanted Wood is the Wish Realm <laughs> version of Hook. Now, Kurt, this was a a press photo that had shown up in the months in between to sort of hype up Hook's appearance here. This probably was the first time you saw him, though. What were your initial thoughts upon seeing what Colin O'Donohue was in? Ugh. Um, but I, I first I was like. This person looks. I, I this person looks vaguely familiar, and it, it literally took me like two, three seconds just to to to, to figure it out, um, which I think it was like just the right amount of time that the writers or and, and the producers were probably looking for there to be a little bit of confusion. I was like, oh, that's Hook. Ouch. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Emma's reaction. And, and it, you know, it didn't disappoint. I feel like Hook kind of looks like. If you got one of those like B-rate celebrity impersonators, and the Captain Jack Sparrow impersonator came to like your aunt's birthday party, but he doesn't look anything like Captain Jack Sparrow, but he tried to act like him, I feel like that's the way Hook is looking and acting right now. Is Hook like the Elvis of the you know of, of characters in that you can you can either go as young Hook or you can go as old Hook? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, Hook should lay off those uh, peanut butter, banana sandwiches, and rum meals. It really just puts a lot in the belly. Yes, it does. I speak from experience. (laughs) Well, we take a brief break from Hook's new look here as we have a little bit of father-son talk, Kurt. And, man, even though Gideon has apparently aged 28 years in captivity, he has a mental age of about 13 (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Yeah, he he seems like... He's calm, he's contemplative, he's meditating, and then Dad shows up. <laughs> and then essentially, the scene just boils down to, like, Dad, you gotta stop suffocating me. Let me be my own person, man. Yeah, it's like, you don't, you don't think I'm strong enough. Well, there's, there's, there's things that I can teach you. I don't want your life. That's, that, that's it's <laughs> boiled down to the, the Vanderbeek character in Varsity Blues for me in, in terms of uh, uh, just th- them are, they're never going to get along, these two. Catch me in the dark realm. How about that? Exactly. <laughs> Capitalizing on that meme right as it's in its peak moment of irrelevancy. <laughs> there, there was an interesting moment where, you know, Gold really challenges Gideon and, you know, grabs him and says, like, hey, try to hit, you know, hit me. Hit me. If you, can't, if you can't hit me, you can't hit the savior. And we see Gideon's <laughs> hand glow red, which is super strange because I usually – I don't remember – I know people, like, use magic, but I don't really remember somebody – looking like they're about to turn into a lava creature when they get angry. I think he was just cha- – I, I just took it as meant there was going to be – there was kind of magical force was gathering at his hand. Um, and it's it's Black Fairy Realm magic. Come on, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so now I guess we've been reintroduced to a new magic, another notch in our belt, Black Fairy magic. And let's talk about somebody who probably has more notches in his belt than he previously did. Uh, we come back to Hook here. He has – Pinocchio and Enya, as he puts it. Yeah, Princess Enya. That was lovely. (laughs) Who can say if Emma will make it out of here alive? Uh, Actually, it's it's a pretty good chance, considering that they're pretty easily able to subdue him, at least to take his sword. Uh, But Hook is able to get the slip on him, and in his escape, ends up breaking the chisel. Yeah, I thought this was going to go even like a really... uh twisted unexpected route where like somehow maybe this magic chisel if you're going against pinocchio is like 
Pinocchio is probably, as a former wooden boy, is probably more scared of a chisel than a sword. I mean, I realize he's like, I guess he's made the full transformation into a person, into a man. Uh, but I actually thought that we were going to see him get like get scratched by the chisel and turn back into like a large wooden puppet uh, that we've seen in, in previous seasons. So I was glad it didn't actually go that route. Um, but yeah, we we just like we do hear that Pinocchio is basically saying, "Well, yeah, we're screwed now. Uh, I can't do this without the chisel. I'm not my dad." <laughs> yeah, I don't want. I don't want your life, Dad. Yeah, more of that. Lot, lots of uh, strained father-son relationships throughout this entire episode. I was waiting for Cats in the Cradle to pop up in the middle of it. Yeah, except we see we see Pinocchio wishing he could be as good as his dad, and we're look we're seeing Gideon uh, thinking that he wants nothing to do with his dad and is probably already better than him. Uh, Gideon, when you grow up, you're gonna realize how much you wanted your Dark Lord father. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they grow up so fast. Literally. Literally. <laughs> like in this case, a, especially when they're weeks. imprisoned by the Black Fairy. Yeah, uh, it's let's, like, well, let's, well, they, let's see all the things that they did get to skip, though. I mean, they did get to miss, yeah. like, again, I've not raised children on my own. There's other you know, listeners who can who probably relate. But, you know, teething, toilet training, changing diapers, uh, you know, uh, the prom. You know, I skipped a big gap there, I'm sure. Uh, oh, you know, who do you think Gideon <laughs> had to take to prom? <laughs> oh, God, I don't, I don't he, know. He had to be that loser that took his, uh, his adoptive mother to prom with him. Oh, God. Well, it'd be interesting to see, though, if we if we get other prisoners of the Black Fairy. Uh, so yeah, because th- we, be we know the Black Fairy does take children. The question is, what does she do with them? Are there others like Gideon who were raised to become, you know, highly magical beings? Yeah, exactly. This is kind of turning into like the OA from Netflix in terms oh, of boy. what's what's going on here. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's I I am interested looking ahead to find out more about Gideon's twenty eight years. Oh my goodness, that could be so much content. <laughs> yeah, Richard Linklater step aside uh just random tangent here when you were talking about the oh i actually was reminded of remember in season three where there was like like that one neverland storyline where all the lost boys were like hypnotized to dance around a fire or something by the peter Pied, pan the pied pipers uh the pied pepper, yeah they were they were but sort it was of dancing. pan it was pan they were sort of doing the five movements a bit oh goodness <laughs> we'll save that I, for our OA podcast. Uh, this episode is one big movement, Mike. <laughs> well, so speak, speaking of being in prison, let's talk about uh, Regina and Robin in the jail card here. They're doing a little bit of getting to know you. This is where we hear that <laughs> who Robin Hood is right now, Robin of Loxley, bachelor extraordinaire. Uh, he realizes that his statement may be false and that he actually might not be as happy as he once claims by that it means that he's single because in once upon a time love is essentially equated to happiness uh yeah uh th- that seems to be at least the route that uh if so things where i don't know if robin necessarily believes that but it's very clearly the route that regina's trying to steer him down Yes, absolutely. She's able to coerce him into thinking. I mean, we could definitely talk about why Robin eventually hops through the wardrobe. I mean, there there definitely could be an inkling there of if Robin's soul from his previous life is really in this incarnation now, he might have, a la Lost Season 6, this sort of like sense memory of who Regina might be. And maybe getting to know her is sort of him being able to sort of awaken into that. And that's the reason why he follows her through eventually. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That that could be. Well, yeah. Well, when we get to the uh, the 
<laughs> the rationale and the decision, the, that that point, that that pivot point where uh, Robin does end up traveling back from them, we can kind of explore a little bit further some of the the situ the the arguments and situations around that. <laughs> well, it's a prison break right now, as we yeah, talked right about. Is, yeah. Hopefully, Nottingham uh, survives the fall, but Rumpelstiltskin makes his second appearance, I think, in the Wish Realm because he helped get them the magic bean last time. Uh, he frees them, but he reveals that he's not exactly on their good side, considering that, I guess, in her previous <laughs> instance, uh, the evil queen has reduced Belle to bones. <laughs> Super graphic, Kurt. Well, I, I, mean, I, I got the... It's not so much that she actively reduced her to bones. It's more like she locked her in a tower, forgot to feed her, and this is just... She's, she just died and decomposed. This... As much as we kind of have talked about in the past, like what if the you know what if this episode of Once Upon a Time took this kind of dark twist? Ha ha ha! This was like the dark twist for the episode that like sat that kind of scratched that itch. And so, I, as as morbid as it was, I, part of me was like, oh, ooh, golf clap there, uh, Once Upon a Time. That was that. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Well, how long did Bell have to be in there to be <laughs> reduced down to oh. bones? That's 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 true. Well, enough time for, uh, you know, I, I'm not up in my my body decomposition techniques. I, I missed that day in my CSI training, but I'm guessing that the body was there for at least ten years. How old how old, how old is Henry here? Fourteen. So uh, that's that's about what potentially what we're. I guess no, we'd be we'd be potentially looking at how old Emma is, who like you know mid mid to late twenties. So uh, well over two decades might do this to you. Yeah, I guess that would definitely make sense. Unless Gold was, you know, if, if Rumpelstiltskin could have fainted the entire time and was like, you know, gathered a bunch of bones to put in a sack to show off and actually Bell's doing just fine in the tower. We're not actually sure. We're going to visit his tower in a little bit. Uh, this is the scene that I mentioned before where David apologizes to Snow and says, I can't wake you up yet. Uh, but Bell decides to help his search in coming in and basically letting him know everything that she knows about who Gideon is. Hold up, bro. So I'm not going to wake her up. But then he kisses her. I, I know. know it was just on the forehead. That should count. Like, did it, I don't think that when Emma woke up Henry, I don't think she kissed him a square on the lips. Like in no, a and or even kiss. even speaking of Gideon, when Gideon woke up his mother in the season six premiere, he kissed her on the forehead. So I'm sorry. I think that David just messed up, and Snow should be awake, and then David should be asleep, and Snow's like. Wait a minute, what's going on? Oh, Dave is going to stay awake now. You know, make the rest of I would rather see more episodes of Snow than David. That'd be really funny if he's like, sorry, babe, I, I, can't, I can't wake you up. I've got work to do. And then he kisses her and then falls asleep. Especially if there's this moment of like, oh, shh. And then he passes out. Like he realizes yeah, too on, late what he just time. did. Could, I, know, I know you're on, David's really on a mission now, but that could have been a lot of fun. But yeah. hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that. Yeah, that's a weird... Once Upon a Time breaks a good amount of rules sometimes, but come on, show. That was a really big hole. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Oh, well, let's go to our other dungeon here. Two of two for this episode, but this one promises more flaying. <laughs> exactly. Let me get my flaying tools. Yes, who knew uh, Rumple Bolton is here, and he's going to <laughs> make a mincemeat of them all. Uh, so Regina uses this time to really take the next step in getting to know you, which is to let you know that you are not real and that you died in your real life. You know what? Between Robin, between between Regina explaining this to Robin and what I'm guessing was a tag team of Emma and Regina explaining this to Pinocchio, 
they're really accepting of this. And I guess, you know, you know, Pinocchio does say earlier, well, you know, I, 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 I believe, I believe in belief. It's kind of thing like, I think you believed in me and I have to believe in you. So I have no choice to, but here Robin's actually very accepting of it too. So I think both of those instances surprised me at how willing people were to uh, kind of grease the narrative wheels here and just go along with the ride. Yeah. Now I wonder if, you know, if they just all taken the time to just, I don't know, hold a, land meeting and just sort of talk to everyone about like hey here's actually everything that's happened this is who you people are maybe they could have gotten some more amicable people to help them out instead of being on the run and being placed in several prisons but you know it's it's run first ask questions later yeah, I know there's the concept of like diffusion of responsibility where like the more people that you rely on unmasked to do something, the less likely it is to be done. Maybe there's also this concept of diffusion of belief where if you're one-on-one with someone, you can probably get them to believe almost anything. But if you're trying to convince a crowd of people, it's a lot harder. So maybe that's just what's going to like work against them if they try to do some sort of like big group meeting. They take out the PowerPoint presentation. Okay, say, so this line here represents the current timeline. This dashed line here represents all you fake people. I, I just might not have gone over well unless they unless they brought like bagels to the meeting <laughs> yeah uh, please nosh on these bagels while i tell you how your whole life is a lie up to this point and i think it really subdues the mood speaking of i guess timelines sort of merging here uh this is when emma fruitlessly tries to chisel off the tree when she finds a birthday gift that august ended or pinocchio ended up getting for her which turns out to be a carved swan and she sort of remembers the story of the ugly duckling and this is when she puts two and two together something that the two of us had done without even realizing it at the very beginning of the episode that pinocchio was indeed that handsome young lad who talked to her that one day yeah i was about to you know call you know bs on this one like wait a minute that box was in there the entire time and August never, I'm sorry, Pinocchio never noticed it. And, uh, but apparently he apparently had put it there. I had thought that it was like, like another, like, like, like Geppetto didn't have enough of the magical wood. Yeah. Magical wood to, um, to make a wardrobe, but he did make this small little box so that she could like teleport her hand back to the real world. And then there's like some strange tie in between once upon a time and the Adams family, like the entire time, you know, thing, that hand that pops out of the box, and the Adams family it was Emma Swan the whole time. But no, it's not a transport box. It's just a container for a swan. Do you think that the Adams family <laughs> would live in that black and white world that Dr. Frankenstein? Did? Yes, exactly. It was a one way portal to that black and white world. <laughs> yes, it's, it's Dr. Frankenstein. It's the Adams family. It's all the other sitcoms between like 19, 19- 1940 and 1960 yeah. strangely leave it to beavers there right next to them on mockingbird lane but uh uh yeah all black and white stuff it wasn't just a horror genre it was like you know a 1950s genre as well <laughs> so i do note here that you know in spite of pinocchio really not being confident in his skills as a carpenter extremely good wood carver i mean that swan looked immaculate yeah, I mean, he's he's got the skills. He he just has to believe in himself, Mike. He really does, and he does enough to build the wardrobe uh, very quickly. <laughs> Actually, the wardrobe looked a very very nice job on the wardrobe. So, Pinocchio, I hope you get that put in uh, the local Pier One or something after all this is said and done. Regina and Robin are able to meet up with Emma. Robin's able to give her the lucky feather. So maybe every it's all water under the bridge with Zelina if she ever shows up on this show again. Here we get to the moment, Kurt. The moment where Emma suggests to Regina, why don't you let Robin come with us? That surprised me. I, 
I had thought that Regi- I thought that Emma would have taken the entire entirely like contrary point to that. Like I, <clears throat> that just surprised me. I like literally paused and was like, "Did you just suggest that to her?" I I expected that suggestion to come out of Regina's mouth. Yeah, I mean, I guess this sort of builds on the relationship that Emma and Regina have had. And I mean, Emma lost Neil. She lost Hook once as well. So she knows just as well as Regina does what it's like to lose someone you love and how you want to hold them and, you know, make sure you never let them go What if you have an opportunity to get them back. So I can understand that. it is. I agree it's weird that she suggested it instead of Regina. Though Regina at this point, you know, when she was talking about Robin in a previous life in Rumpelstiltskin's jail cell, I feel like with those tears in her eyes, it seemed like Regina's inner monologue was essentially her saying, you know, there's no chance that he's going to come back with me. This is the last I'll ever see him, so let me make the most of this time. So I guess good on Emma for thinking fourth-dimensionally, literally, and deciding to bring him over but kurt what did you think about the return of robin hood to storybrook and presumably the once upon a time main cast if they hadn't made such a big deal about how the olympian crystal cox could (laughs) uh the olympian crystal it was like a way to write the end on somebody's character and no coming back at all. They did, if they hadn't made such a big deal about that, um, then I, I wouldn't have uh, have had as much issue with it. And, and then, and I'm not as privy to the uh, kind of the, the fallout from the loss of the Robin character that happened outside the show with the, the actors. Uh, I've, I've learned everything I know about that. I learned from Mike Bloom. I could write that about several things, but specifically this topic, everything I learned about this, I learned from Mike Bloom. This would, that would um, be the, uh, the age appropriate section of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I was going to talk about your, your predilections in college for a moment there, yeah. going back to the valley. <laughs> we only had that soundbite to play. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was like, I, it's not that I felt cheated. I was like, this is ridiculous, but okay, whatever. How did you feel about it, Mike Bloom? I felt cheated. As I talked about before, I feel like Robin's death gave the world at least a little bit of stakes. I feel like the claws are removed with this type of show when you're like, well, someone big and bad is coming to wreak havoc on our heroes, but we know that they're all going to be fine at the end of the day. Nobody's going to die. Couples may break up, but they're going to get back together in the case of Gold and Bell, and everything will be fine. There's People are not really in any danger. With Robin dying, and not just dying, but unlike Hook, Hades saying, like, once he's gone, he's gone forever. I'm like, great. This is sort of a a nice emotional piece for Regina to center herself around. This sort of is a nice common ground between Regina and Zelina as well. This is a character that I didn't really need in the show, to be honest. This is great. Why did you feel like you needed to bring him back? And essentially, in bringing back Wish Robin... It's basically the once upon a time magical equivalent of a character having amnesia and not remembering who they were. Because you're bringing back Robin Hood. He's still the same Robin Hood. He just doesn't know what he done. he's done in a previous life. This is also going to make things extremely confusing for the child he has with Zelina. Though I guess now like they can say, well, it's okay now because that Robin didn't have a child with Zelina. So now he's free to you know abandon his child and frolic in the, the meadows with Regina. It just it feels too convenient for me. I don't know if we needed it. Regina was doing a lot of interesting stuff this season without Robin. I, 
we didn't need it. That that's all I'm gonna say. This felt entirely unnecessary for me. This left a bad taste in my mouth coming out of this episode. I don't want a bad taste in my mouth on the show on our last podcast, but I had a major, major gripe with this because now I truly believe none of these main characters are leaving the show whatsoever until the show ends. But doesn't she need a man in her life to be a fully fleshed out character, Mike? (laughs) Okay. People who are about to type to me on Twitter, that was sarcasm. Yes, exactly. I just want to clarify that. I do not... That belief is not held by Kurt Clark, Mike Bloom, or any other person in association with Rob has a podcast. We make we make our own fate, and you really did, Kurt, with your comments there. <laughs> no, it, it was it was it was pointless. I mean, it, it was it was pointless to the story. Um, like now, it's like well, technically now, uh, Zelina and Regina don't have anything to be feuding about, um, and it's it's it is just odd and then like even like again the, what, whatever the the strife was or the the complaints were off the show like it's it's like i was telling you about the, the talked about you with this with you like last night it's like if somebody that you work with is let go but then like through some technicality in their contract they realize like three months later that they kind of have to be brought back and they really weren't allowed to be let go in the first place but now you kind of have to work alongside these people every day there's just this strange probably awkwardness on set now but uh, maybe not i don't know but it, it just seemed like a weird choice and it was odd to have it be such a big focus on the the return episode. I'm, I'm glad that we got – at least there was focus about Gideon and uh, you know we get to see that confrontation between him and Emma, which we'll talk about. But the whole Robin thing, I was like, I didn't necessarily need that. Yeah, and you know, if there's a fandom out there that's happy, that's great. And Once Upon a Time is known for its really – intense fandom to say the least so i guess it's great that they're satisfied but i don't know i honestly think in the next 11 episodes we are not really going to see that much story relevance out of the fact it's not like him coming back for the rich realm gives him special powers that allows him to defeat gideon i did think for a second you know we have this weird fake out where regina Emma didn't seem to blast her way out of a tree, or maybe we just didn't see it. Regina does. There's this silence as to, oh no, what happened to Robin? And I guess they were trying to make us think that, like, oh, maybe Wish Realm people couldn't cross over into the real world. That was that took way too long. Like I had in my notes that uh, they they go back through the gates and Regina, Robin comes through, or sorry, Emma comes through and then Regina comes through. And then like, I'm just kind of sitting there waiting. So I even, I even type in my notes. And then after a lengthy pause, when they're both wondering if he's not going to come back, Robin comes through and I'm just sitting there staring at the TV and I'm like slowly starting to delete that sentence letter by letter, but no, no, then it does happen. It was, it was just strangely drawn out, even for the purpose of building suspense. If he didn't make it over, would that have been a weird note for him to be like, (laughs) yeah, I'm coming over. You know what? I didn't have a good life here. I'm ready to live my life. And then just him, I don't know, dissolve into dust or something on his way over. That would probably be darker than Bell's bag of bones. (laughs) Or like trapped in a tree and he's just there now. He's the tree now. Exactly. That would be funny. I want I want Ents on Once Upon a Time, personally. <laughs> well, let's talk about the big showdown here. Now, I know you said, Kurt, that you would predict that Robin, it might take a little while, but Robin would come out of the tree. Did you think at all that we would get the first hints of a showdown here? And when it actually came down to it, did you think that we would see the one that Emma was thinking about in the vision? <laughs> no. Um, I thought there might be at least a few episodes, but then again... 
Yeah, we talk about this every season, Mike. Like once upon a time, we'll hit that fast forward button really damn quick, and we we got both the uh, wish realm and the feud, the the, the vision fight, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, between Gideon and Emma, both wrapped up in the first episode back, and so it's really kind of clearing the slate for whatever could happen in the next uh, you know half season. I want to bring up the wish realm really quick because you just mentioned it. So I guess RIP Wish Realm, I don't know if we're actually going back there. I know at the end of our last podcast, we were talking about how there's probably going to be a big narrative, much like in season two, when it was Regina and Mary Margaret and Emma stranded in the Enchanted Forest, that we get this storyline as well, running counter to everything going on in Storybrooke. None that we didn't get that. Are you excited about that? Are you? Would you did you want to see more of the Wish Realm? Um, you know, the no. Because I was really led to believe that nothing there really matters in terms of yeah. what happens there. I mean, the moment we see Regina kill, you know, Snow and Charming, I'm like, okay, this isn't real. Um, and so when we saw them at the end of the last episode, uh, you know, back in December, kind of miss that portal back, I'm like, um, I'm not really that excited for them to be stuck here for longer. So. I'm I'm glad that they actually made it back because I'm tired of them getting like split up and some people going to one you know to the uh, the enchanted forest whether it be real or not. I, I'm glad I'm glad that we have right now at this point in time everybody I believe and the reason I'm drawing this out is I'm trying to think over my head. I believe everybody is present and accounted for in Storybrook. Yes, think. all all of the main characters. We don't know where the Black Fairy is, uh, but that's not really a main character. So. Um, I'm I'm glad that they came back. I mean, I could go back and listen to that last podcast we did in December and find out that oh, it turns out Kurt of 2016 was actually real excited for a few epi- for a few episodes to occur in the Enchanted Forest. But I can tell you, whatever's happened over the last three months, I was glad that they at least that they wrapped it up. I wasn't expecting it, but I'm glad that they wrapped it up. And I think I remember we actually compared a lot to you know how is this necessarily different from. The end of season three when they travel back in time or the end of season four when Isaac rewrote the story and now they're in another alternate timeline. There definitely are diminishing returns with the amount of times we go back to the Enchanted Forest and see our characters in different amalgamations to the point of where, you know, I think people were saying that the Witch Realm came up a little fan fiction-y. So I guess we are definitely, for lack of a better term, out of the woods in that regard. And even though we brought you know, memory-ridden Robin back with us. At least we can now further the action a tiny bit as Emma is ready to change her own fate. Whether or not this was the the sword fight or not, she's able to blast back Gideon and Gideon's able to escape. So Emma survives with her life for now. Yeah. Uh, it's... Although... It, uh, I guess the lesson learned here is you can change your fate, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, I guess. I mean, but that's also been a recurring thing on Once Upon a Time, yeah. too. Yeah. But she was like, so... It, I guess it took her going to the Wish Realm and interacting with with Pinocchio and a flashback to what she said under the bridge. Uh, it, it. I was surprised that it got wrapped up that quickly, where it was really you know an entire first part of the season building up to this fight, and then only for it to get to... Actually, you know what? I don't want it to happen that way, so it doesn't have to happen that way. So, okay. Well, let's 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 see what the next... The, the, that was kind of a non-starter, so let's see what the rest of the season has to bring. And there is a nice tie here to when she visits August typing, I don't know what at that point, but, you know, she talks to him about how she knows that he was the one 
visiting her. And there's this nice connection where they talk about belief is the first step. And I think that really connects back to <laughs> their own relationship at the end of season one when he was really trying to convince her to believe. And it took t- until he actually became wooden for her to believe. So I thought that was a nice tie of themes between season one and now. Maybe August was typing up his own 12-step program just in general. First step, believe. Um, <laughs> you know, second step, acceptance. Uh, but no, I believe that he was actually typing out the story of Pinocchio because there was a reference to Pleasure Island in what he was typing, which is that oh, amusement let's, park. Let's hope he was writing the story of Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> the Enchanted Wood yeah. was brought to Pleasure <laughs> Island. Yes, that, that, that's, it, it could go one of two ways there. Um, uh, so whether maybe he was doing some of his own slash fiction, I don't know. But uh, my, my guess is, you know, the reference to Pleasure Island is where uh, Pinocchio and uh, his little friends get turned into donkeys there, I believe. Um, so and that's kind of where you actually, ironically, that's a big part of where, where Gideon, uh, the character in Pinocchio, uh, comes into play. Uh, so that, I'm guessing that's what he was typing. But it was, it was nice that we got to see kind of a... a, a both the Wish Realm Pinocchio and modern day Pinocchio slash Augustus. That was that was a nice little nod. Bye, August. We'll see you probably next season for like an episode, considering the, the rate that you pop up. Let's talk about the last scene here, the sort of counterplay between Bell and Gold discussing their son at the well. At the same time, Gideon is throwing a little temper tantrum. More I don't want your life. Yeah, he's still um not yeah it's it's not going well this is not this is not a family that is uh uh doing well i mean it's at least we we see i guess some sort of uh possibility for there being uh, gold and bell to be coming back together again like you know if there's anything we can do to help him uh maybe we should do it together because if we fail then war is coming to storybrook which is a hint that we're going to be seeing the black fairy in some capacity but yeah gideon is like yeah, disgruntled youth going up to literally the clock tower with the magical equivalent of a sniper rifle and 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 kind of breaking out the window. Um, so he's uh, he's he's not happy with how things went. He didn't get his way. He's so he's he's going to take his toys and instead of going home, is going to wreak havoc. I do like the at least Golden Bell seem to see a little eye to eye in this yeah. scene. I mean, Bell's going to say, you know, now I understand how easy it is to incorrectly justify doing bad things and gold's also going to kind of say i know what gideon is going through right now he is in a dark place and he thinks by doing something darker it's going to bring him to the light but it's really poisoning him more i'm expecting them to get together yet again because that is what this show does to us but i i'm enjoying at least the inkling of them inching closer and closer together to a reconciliation they're going to bring back Robin Hood from absolute destruction and unreturnableness. They're going to get if if that's going to happen, then we're going to see some form of Bell and Gold, you know, uh, getting together. So it's 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 bound to happen. Then, the, but the question is, will the clock tower be repaired? I guess it was. There have been several instances. I'm thinking of uh, when Mrs. Pathmore from Downton Abbey made that guest appearance in like season two or season three, and she got thrown out of the clock tower. They, there's been a lot of work done on that clock face. Remember, Emma and Regina are wielding magic. It's probably not that hard to fix. There's a simple yes. mending spell out there. Again, it's always when something gets patched up really quick or something's written really quick, just always assume that it's magic. I guess let's sort of start to segue a bit. Uh, First, I want to talk about some things that might be coming up in season six. And there's one big one that has been talked about the past couple months, so much so that even Kurt knows about it. 
Do I? Let's, What's this? Let, let's talk about the upcoming musical episode uh, of Once Upon a Time. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, it, for those of you who've listened for a while, you know that I, I'm like the one who avoids casting spoilers. I, I, I like to be surprised by when characters come up on the show. Um, but yeah, even even I could not avoid the uh, the the rumors of the upcoming musical episode. And for those of you who are conspiracy theorists, know uh, our podcast is not going away simply so we can avoid having to talk about a musical episode. Now, au contraire, if you know me and you know how musically affiliated I yes. am, I would have loved to talk about it. But maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Well, I'm not well, entirely even, sure. Even underreported is the extent to which I do enjoy musicals. I've enjoyed the musical episode of Buffy. Uh, I'm trying to think what other ep- what other uh, shows have uh, had Scrubs. Mus- I, I, you know what? I'm not caught up on Scrubs. I wasn't. I, I've, I've watched the first couple seasons, but I'm catching up on Netflix. Let's see, Let's see um, some others. Uh, there was a musical but, episode of Oz. There was a musical episode of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Cop Rock was an entire musical. Yeah, I actually liked Cop Rock. I watched all three episodes, and that was probably where the Clark Curse originated. <laughs> Started with uh, Cop Rock. That was the original. That was the uh, whatever. I'm trying to the, remember uh, Merlin's first gir- the girlfriend, the first ever dark N- one. That's where the, that's yeah, Nimue. That Cop Rock was the Nimue of the of the Clark uh, Curse. Oh my gosh, completely forgot about Cop Rock. Um, but no, but even like yo, I I do enjoy musicals. Um, I I, I would have. I I will look for I will be continuing to watch Once Upon a Time. That's why I get that yeah. there. And I will be waiting with bated breath to see how the musical episode ends up going because it could go any of several ways. And so um it's like a potential train wreck where I'm where it actually might get through okay. Uh I I'm actually looking forward to with a sick anticipation the Once Upon a Time musical episode. I am as well, at least from a per- performance perspective. Uh, listener on the show, Jessica Fry, actually sent me a YouTube video that shows most of the main cast can sing, if not really well. I mean, uh, David, Josh Dallas, is actually like a musical theater trained singer. Everyone else does pop, rock, you know, sort of... Cop, wait, cop, cop, they do cop rock? They do cop yes. rock. <laughs> yes. I think from a performance level, I don't think we're we're dealing with anyone who really can't sing. Maybe Henry. Maybe Henry can just be a chorus boy doing a tap break or something. The running he's of the gonna music. Be like, he's going to be like the like the the Tara on uh, Buffy, who kind of gets a speaking singing part. Maybe. <laughs> yes, he'll be the Harold Hill, Henry Hill of uh, of the Once Upon a Time musical episode. We'll see. Also, how they bring it into the reality if i remember correctly wasn't the buffy musical about like there was a a demon that would make people communicate through singing obviously once upon a time is a very magical show as well they could feasibly tie something in where i don't know the black fairy puts a curse on the town where all they can do is sing okay let's let's be let's be straight here if they will have to tie they're not just going to do a musical episode that's a musical episode this isn't the drew carey show i mean like i said there was literally a story woven reason for why there was singing in in buffy there's going to have to be a reason why they're singing in once upon a time i'm just curious like you what it's going to be if there if there isn't that, that that's probably the thing that would most upset me is if they just do it and don't have some story tie in as to why it's happening well, especially because the episode that it's going to be in is episode 20. Third to last episode of the season, they're doing a musical episode. I'm assuming that's when, you know, the the 
plot is going to be built up to a fever pitch. How are you going to tie a plot into that? Or are you just going to put things on pause for 40 minutes and instead just do a big musical review? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm excited about it. Uh, it, I, if it's a train wreck, it'll be glorious to watch. If it's good, it's good. So it's really a win-win situation. Yeah, it, it yes, it, it's, unfortunately, it's also a signal for many shows for when it jumps the shark. Although I think we've maybe found like several points where it's jumped, the, you know, Robin Hood coming back from the dead is probably a bigger shark jumping moment than, uh, uh, you know, a musical episode. Um, like the only thing that could happen is if like you know Henry suddenly just stops being a character, having a kid disappear for no random for some random reason and just with no story reason for it is another you know big jump to shark moment. But I I think I, I think it'll it will be interesting. I will I, w- I will be I while we may not be podcasting, I may be live tweeting. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Henry will get Judy Winslow and he'll just disappear and Baby Neil will become like the new Urkel? Oh, see, I was I was going more like Cousin Oliver. I'm going old school Brady Bunch on this one. Oh, yeah. They, they might be existing in the black and white realm. No, they were in color. So they're, they they're color. a step off of that realm. Well, you talked about jumping the shark. It brings up another point. There was a lot of talk in this break. You know, I believe Jennifer Morrison and at least a few other actors have their contract up in season six. And I don't know if negotiations are underway There has been some talk, you know, ratings are at an all-time low. I believe last night's episode might be the lowest-rated episode ever. I know there was not a lot of huge acclaim for the show coming back. It begs the question, Kurt, do you think this could be the end of Once Upon a Time? Or do you think, I guess, let's, let's provide three options here, and you tell me which is the most probable. A, Once Upon a Time ends at season six. B, Once Upon a Time ekes out a farewell seventh season or C, Once Upon a Time keeps going just fine. What do I think is going to happen, or what do I want to happen? You can do both. Um, I want B to happen. I want it to end, but I want it to have a season to do it. Because I want a season... Because I, I, seriously, if it stretches on beyond a seventh season, I think it's just going to disappoint people. I think it, it's going to go in all sorts of directions. It's going to go completely off the rails. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that it they don't extend it that. I, I want them to kind of realize that they're going into a final season, a full season, and to wrap things up and to give it a full ending. And part of me also wants that because I, I again, I watched like the first uh, three seasons of the show uh with you know while it was on i i didn't start watching because of the, the the podcast and i and i'm actually looking forward to uh you know continuing to watch the show because it's been a long time since i've watched the show without my laptop in front of me taking notes and so i'm actually looking forward to back to you know sitting down again and and getting into the show from that perspective as a fan and not a podcaster um so i, I am hoping that there will be a full seventh season uh and, and again give them a chance to wrap the story up yeah, I would agree with that because I think, and I've talked about this before, I do feel like even though it's sagging in the ratings, Once Upon a Time is a show that has become sort of a staple of ABC that I think the network owes it to the show to at least give them some notice as to when they're ending. And I believe even ABC has said that as well, that like, you know, even if the show's ending, we'll be sure to let them know. So I think B is definitely the most possible as well. If, you know, it seems like creatively they're kind of losing steam as well, we'll definitely talk about our feelings on the series overall that they're going to come to them and say like, okay, you know, wrap it up. And then Adam and Eddie can say, okay, let's now really throw everything at the wall. Let's make this the best 22 episode final season that we can. Hopefully I don't want this to be one of these shows that just sort of 
ekes out its last dying episodes. Yeah, like yeah, don't leave anything on the table. Let's 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 do with these characters with what we wanted to do. I mean, it'd be nice if there was some you know, requirement for TV dramas that you had to have like an outline and a place where you wanted everything to get to. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, they, they probably don't have that for once upon a time. They may now. Uh, and I, I'd like to see it kind of at least like get to that place, get to a place where a stopping point makes sense. Even, even if it's like the last three words are happily ever after. Uh, I, I won't be upset by that. Um, like let's get them to a place where everybody has found their happy ending, and uh, and and I, I I won't be mad at that. But let's 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 kind of settle things and wrap up loose ends to the extent that we can with the seventh season. And I have a feeling those last three words would be much less controversial than another last four words from a show that has gotten brought back uh, in recent months. I mean, speaking of stopping point, this is where we end things, Kurt. So I want to know from you. We've watched five and a half seasons of Once Upon a Time and have podcasted about them over the past few years. Give me your thoughts about the series thus far, both you know as a podcaster and as a fan, as you mentioned, and feasibly where you see the show going in the next 11 episodes. Here's the thing. I think that for it, having been on as long as it has, I think a lot of TV viewers who don't watch Once Upon a Time don't get what it is. I mean, and, and I've had people, when I tell them that I podcast about the show, they're like, oh, I've heard of that. Is that still on? I don't know anything about it. It's, it's pretty much like the long and short of their reaction. I go, no, it's, it's a really interesting concept. And I go back to like the reason I started watching. It's like, what if all of the fairy tale characters uh, and, and Disney characters, let's be real, uh, that you are familiar with were kind of uprooted from their normal stories and the, the where you're used to seeing them and are brought to kind of a, a, a small village in in uh in in maine um and aren't really uh sure don't don't really know this so that they were characters then you go into some of the details about the first season i go it's just really interesting like seeing these different sets of characters interact with each other i mean completely honest it's kind of why i like reality tv in terms of you know it's, it's, it's that breakfast club mentality where you get the you know the jock and the the princess and the brain together and kind of see how things you know go for these people who normally never cross paths it's why i like survivor and it's why i kind of like once upon a time what you take these characters that never got to interact and see what stories can potentially arise from it um you know add on to the fact that they're slowly remembering that they actually were these fairy tale characters uh and and you get all sorts of villains that you wouldn't necessarily get to expect so the the premise once i explain the premise you know people actually kind of like oh i didn't realize that that actually sounds interesting so it's it's something that i had an immediate interest in and that i continue to have interest in the only reason I stopped watching is I literally could not stand the Neverland season, uh, and 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 I went, when I saw that the following you know half season was about you know the introduction of Zelina and it was about Oz, which was you know again I've talked about it on the podcast is a storyline that I really am interested in. Uh, you know I've been watching the Emerald City uh, series on on NBC and and have been, have been interested in that. So I, I at that point I was like you know what I actually kind of wish that I go back and and might watch this just so I can get to the Oz storyline and that. That's about the time when we started our podcast. Um, so I I like for the most part where it's been, apart from some hiccups like Neverland, um, primarily Neverland, uh, and a little bit of The Frozen. I wasn't a huge fan of that. But primarily, I've liked what's been done. Where I think it could potentially go, 
I, I hesitate to even hazard a guess. Um, I think it might have to be something where there's some like meta overarching magic that's along the lines of the sorcerer who seemed to be kind of this all powerful, all world expanding entity um, or the author, which was some all powerful entity. It's going to have to be something like that, a bit of a, a meta force that it gives a nod to the fact that all of these people are characters in stories. Um, it's going to potentially have to be something like that uh, for it to maybe play out into a season seven. I thought we were maybe getting there with the land of untold stories, which seems to have been completely sidelined. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, I, I'm just curious where it's going to go, but I think it's gonna have to be something along the lines of the sorcerer or the author for it to actually make sense in a season seven. Once upon a time to me is a very creative show. I mean, they have such an open license. As you mentioned, you have storybook creatures, you have fairy tale creatures, you have Disney characters. We start bringing in people from the public domain like Dr. Frankenstein in the land of untold stories. There is so much potential there. And the first season has a lot of great novelty in there because as you said, it's fun to see like, oh, this is Little Red Riding Hood interacting with Snow White and, you know, oh, here's the evil queen and all these different characters sort of coming together and working together or working separately is so much fun to watch. You talked before about how, you know, shows don't, this might not be a show that necessarily had an end game plan. I do wonder if the creators had a plan outside of season one, because we talked about it in our season two coverage, how things were a little murky. We have these sort of trimester stories. Things are a little, you know, slippery. Nobody no, nothing's really anchored down. Characters are really separated from each other. Season three, they go back to these half stories, which makes things much more contained, uh, even though those containers might not be something that we specifically enjoy, uh, specifically the Neverland arc. I do feel like the show is always at its strongest when it goes back to its roots from that first season. Something that I loved about the Camelot arc, which actually might be my favorite half season that we've covered on this podcast, was the fact that we were dealing with, you know, the mythos of the Savior and the Dark One. Going back to these two big ideas that were set up from the very beginning instead of the show feeling like it needs to just keep pulling rabbits out of its hat to show us of like oh here's this character here's this character here's this character and not even embracing the character as much as as you just said showing it off and then like throwing it away and you know dumping it in some sort of hole where we'll never acknowledge it again I do think there's a downside to its creativeness as well in that we've joked about the number of times when they just created random magical objects and never mentioned it again. And as a result, it's become so plot-heavy and confusing that, you know, it's, it's just so much to keep track of. So as you mentioned before, I'm kind of excited to watch as a fan and not necessarily as a podcaster because I've also realized that Once Upon a Time, to me at least, is the type of show that looks really nice from afar but the more you look at it the closer you get the more you look into the specific moments in the scenes in the episodes you start to see the cracks show and I want to be able to stand far away and look at it from a nice point of view and not have to dig too much into what's going on and say this is a I'm enjoying this show and I have a feeling I can do that if uh, I don't necessarily need to be as hyper descriptive about everything that's going on at the time right i mean it's part of the, the i'm not, not exactly sure of what your your uh podcasting process is but it's like i'll sit down with the show and i'll watch it and i'll take notes and i'll pause it and i'll rewind and i'll take notes and i'll have the closed captioning on and, and like you are 
literally taking notes on like at least i'm taking notes on like every single little thing and part I, of I that too yeah and, and, and part of that then is like again those those cracks do start to show a little bit more um and, and you know and for me part of the fun is like you know it's it's a show that i enjoy but it's also a, a show that uh, part of that part of that enjoyment comes with kind of pointing out those cracks and and you know you know as a, as a person, I'm inconsistent, so I don't mind it when a show is inconsistent. Uh, inconsistency is part of human nature, and uh, you know that's that's kind of thing part of the charm of the show for me is it, part of the charming of the show for me. Uh, so uh, it, it's as it, it is what it is, and it's 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 fun to talk about, and uh, but it's it's it is kind of getting to. Uh, the the Robin thing though, come on, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Let's let's the horrible note to end it on. But yeah, come yeah. on. What were you come guys on. thinking? <laughs> dead is dead. Let it be dead. Let sleeping dogs lie in a way and let them turn into bones that Rumple can dump out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm totally with you, Kurt. I I actually have fun sort of nitpicking things and questioning the logic of it. So you know, I hope at any point in time during these, these podcasts that people out there don't think that we hated this show or that you know we were hate watching it or you know grumbling about every about having to recap this i had a lot of fun getting to do this i just love getting to to pick stuff apart and i'm enjoying the fact that i'm going to get to pick stuff apart uh even if i'm not going to be behind a microphone kurt do you have any other thoughts about once upon a time before we start wrapping things up I'm still hoping that we get finality around where Prince Charming's soul is. Or sorry, Prince Philip's soul Prince is. Prince Philip's soul. Let's let's crusade. There's gotta be a seventh season because the, we need like even if it's a post credit scene to be Prince any sort of location where Prince Philip's soul is. Maybe he was in the wish realm and they didn't even realize it. Yeah. Or at least like figuring out who uh who Lily's father is. Or we we kind of figure out it's 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 probably the dragon, but I want yeah. some definitive closure behind uh behind that. Um but no no, it's 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 been a fun time Mike Bloom. It's uh uh yeah, we've we we we've we've ridden this out for uh more, more seasons than I had initially watched. I mean like I made it through, you know, two full seasons, part of the third season, but we've now been podcasting for, for three full seasons. Uh, so we're, we're kind of covered ha- at least half of the show live. And then we did that recap, those recap episodes at the beginning. So I think we're, we're, we, we done good. We can be proud of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not even, you know, nowadays TV does like 10 to 13 episodes. We did 66 episodic podcasts about, or, you know, going almost uh, 55, I guess of once upon a time. That is a lot but I've enjoyed every second getting to do it with you, Kurt. I want to thank all of you out there who have been listening, whether you know, you've know you been listening to us since the beginning with the Season 1 recaps when we started hopping on during Season 4 or even joining us for Season 6. As I said before, the Once Upon a Time community is so fervent, so dedicated. You guys really helped keep this podcast going for as long as it did. So thank you so much. That being said, as we mentioned before, the conversation still continues. We might not be podcasting about it, but we certainly will be watching the show. So please, please, please feel free to reach out to us. Kurt is at Kurt Clark on Twitter. I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Kurt, Thank you for being my co-pilot for all of these seasons. I remember when we, you know, awkwardly reached out to each other via Facebook Messenger. We had never spoken before of like, hey, I hear you like Once Upon a Time too. You want to cover it. And I am so happy to say that a friendship was born out of this that has led into other podcasts, getting to see each other in person multiple times. I can't wait to see you in person as well later on this month. It's been fantastic getting to know you and getting to podcast with you. 
Likewise, Mike Bloom. Uh, it's it, it, like a true bloom. Our friendship has grown over the past few years. Uh, this is like our uh, love sapling that oh. Charming and uh, Snow had, which I'm assuming is oh, something that also that. needs to be brought up as well. Yeah, because that's that. I think that's what's going to get them out of the, the the quasi coma they're in. We were doing so good until you brought up the love sapling, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you let our you love just... sapling die. Oh, but no, yeah, it's 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 been a fun time. Thank you again, obviously, again to all the listeners. Also, thank you to Brent Wolgamot for for uh, also covering us. Uh, you know, several of the episodes, uh, especially the ones where I wasn't able to attend. Uh, you know, adding his perspective to the show, I think, uh, for for those podcasts was was, was a nice variety, a nice spice. Uh, so again, uh, with with his help, we were able to cover, I think, off and every single episode for the past uh, uh, seasons four through six. Yeah, uh, so, absolutely. So yeah, it's uh, but uh, at, at least it, it is now time to bid adieu to Once Upon a Time uh, for at least the podcast side of it. Yes, and there are other Once Upon a Time podcasts that you want to check out. There are a bunch out there. Uh, two I can recommend off the top of my head are Once Upon a Podcast, which I think is probably the biggest Once Upon a Time podcast that's out there. I'm also a big fan of Once Upon a Timing as well. Uh, so check those out. Kurt, do you have any suggestion of podcasts? Or I know you always like to recommend materials, whether book, TVs, or movies that might be affiliated with the material in Once Upon a Time? Oh, dear. Um, like I said, I've been checking out Emerald City for uh, people who are, it's again, not, not a podcast, but for people who uh, did like the Oz mythos uh, or for people who did read the Oz books, there's some interesting interpretations of that story there. I think it just ended its 10-episode run. No idea if it's coming back. Uh, and I think one of the very first sort of alt- alternate texts that I recommended to people was the uh, the fable line of graphic novels, which is very much uh, in line with Once Upon a Time. You have uh, the characters from this storybook land have to come to New York City and kind of hide amongst the people there and, and kind of live in their own community. Uh, but you still have, but it's, it's a lot darker than, than, than Once Upon a Time. So just a, a couple of things there to potentially check out. Uh, but everybody, most people are probably familiar with fables. Fewer people may have uh, known to check out uh, Emerald City. While we we may be leaving post-show recaps, please make sure you're subscribed to all the other great content that's going on. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. There you can get our big feed that contains everything from The Walking Dead through The Leftovers, which is coming up, through Seinfeld. I know that there might be some other stuff coming back as well. There's always stuff to check out on post-show recaps, so make sure you're locked in there. Uh, Kurt, do you have any other things in the podcast sphere that you either are working on or recently completed uh nothing coming up i bet we did recently last week wrap up two uh reality series uh well obviously you know mike bloom we we put an end to our season 14 coverage of top chef where you and i along with antonio mazzaro and josh wiggler talked about the joy that was uh season 14 uh so uh highly recommend that it's a great reality show uh easy for people to pick up you don't have to be a huge cooking enthusiast the competitions i think are compelling uh and the characters are really compelling as well so i'd I'd check that out but then also uh, myself liana boris and rob sesternino wrapped up our seven episode coverage of the hit new cbs reality show hunted uh which was uh uh, just uh, a delight to, to yeah, podcast so, about. So I, much fun. Between the podcast and the show itself, it was yeah. the highlight of the Survivor offseason, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and the extent to which the the people being hunted, the field teams that were doing the hunting, the people in the command center who were directing the field teams, huge Twitter interaction with, with everybody. And that was, I think, the, the 48 hours that followed any given podcast uh, in which the, kind of the Twitter was alight with discussion from everybody who involved with the show. That was pretty, you know, one of the highlights of my week. So uh, if you haven't checked out Hunted, you know, start with the podcast, see if it gets you drawn into the show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's all in the archives. Check it all out. Uh, as for me, if you, for some reason, want to hear me talk more, I'm doing some upcoming coverage on reality TV wrap-ups. I'm going to be talking RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9, which is coming up in a few weeks with Liana Boris and the aforementioned Brent Wolgamot. I'm also going to be introducing some Dancing with the Stars coverage, which is being covered by uh, Kelly Bedard and my wife Angela, which is going to be coming up in the next couple weeks as well, as in addition to some other stuff on reality TV wrap-ups. And this is sort of post-show recaps adjacent. I mentioned the SNL podcast at the very beginning of this podcast. It has uh, undergone a revival, albeit in a monthly format and with a different hosting structure. It is Rich Tackenberg from the old SNL podcast with myself and Rich's wife, Jen. Uh, That's not available on the main post-show recaps feed, but if you go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes, you can subscribe there and get all of our monthly shows. That has been a lot of fun to really put a bow on the box that has that we are leaving to our listeners, Kurt, of our Once Upon a Time coverage. What's the final hashtag to our listeners? I was sitting here the last time I was trying to think of a hashtag because I didn't really have anything that popped in the episode. One that I'm suggesting in anticipation of the musical episode is kind of a mashup of our show that we're covering here and the musical episode from Buffy. So perhaps Once Upon a Time with Feeling? I love that. That's if that has not been coined already, let's put it in the patent book. Uh, perfect mishmash. Let's do it because I personally am very excited for that musical episode and the rest of season six. That's going to do it here, folks. Thank you again so, so much for tuning in and listening. It has been an absolute delight covering the show. I look forward to what season six and hopefully beyond is going to provide us with Once Upon a Time. So enjoy your week. Take care. We'll see you in another land. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Keep smiling through, just like you always do. Till-